Okay. So five minutes, and then I have a creative way of us answering these. We're going to answer these questions because you don't learn from someone talking to you. You learn when you're teaching. That's, that's how you learn. You learn as you're teaching other people. So here's what's happening, and this is why we have to think this way. The church had a reformation. You remember the first reformation? The first reformation, Martin Luther. Martin Luther stood up in the Catholic church and said, he nailed his theses to the door, and he said, we can't earn salvation. Jesus gave it to us, creating the Lutheran church, which is big in Omaha. I don't know if it's big here. So a whole nother thing. We come to Jesus by faith. That's the first reformation. We have gotten stuck in the first reformation. We're still stuck there. We're still stuck at getting saved. We're stuck at the altar. We're stuck at the cross. I'm, I'm not meant to offend anyone. We're stuck at the cross and we never saw the cross as a doorway into what's next. The second reformation we're getting behind. And if I can be honest with you, lower, lower educated people, lower people who uh, people, I say lower, they have less education, less awareness. They're stuck in denominations that refuse to tell the truth. Right. So the information's not getting out. So we're getting behind in the second reformation. And the second reformation is not is not Jesus saves. The second reformation asks the question, what do I do with my life now that I'm saved? The second reformation that we're getting behind on is not what is the gospel, but it is what do we do with the gospel we've heard? That's the kingdom piece. So I'm saved. Now what? Uh, I'm a son of God. Wonderful. But what is my particular gifts and skills and calling? Where do I operate? I'm here. I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm 12. I'm going to live for another 85 years. <laughs> what do I do? So those this reformation that's on us, we have to now become strategic with our resources. Um, it was uh, and, and I've I've studied. I've been studying for a long time, and now I'm forgetting his name in France. Uh, the man who looked at the Bible, and he asked the question, I wonder if there's anything in the Bible that has to do with economics. Oh, shit, what's his name? Maybe I'll think of it in a bit. He looked in the Bible, and he said, I wonder if the Bible can teach us how to raise our families. So he came up with eight to 12 spheres, spheres of influence in the world. And he went to the Bible and that's why he started the first Swiss bank. What was his name? Oh my God. He started the first Swiss bank. Every bank in Switzerland came out of the church. Every hospital came out of the church. Every university came out of the church. What are the names of your Ivy League colleges now in America? Notre Dame. Harvard. No, um, shoot. I mean, it's just right there in my head. I can't. Anyway, every Ivy League college was started by a pastor out of a church. What's the name of your hospitals? 
Every hospital you go to now was started by the church. We no longer control these worlds, but we started them. Because in the first reformation, we we were happy there. We were happy with starting stuff. We were happy with knowing Jesus. We know Jesus. (laughs) But we didn't understand we were supposed to control stuff. And the second reformation is us saying, we're supposed to be in control. Let's get our control back. Let's get let's get our control back. Let's start to work and operate like we're in charge of things. He came up with these um, these ways to train people and then get them in position to do great things. And now while you're answering those questions. Uh, oh, OK. OK. Calvin, Calvin, John Calvin. Remember him? I knew you know him. Calvin. So Calvinism, Calvinism said, what can we do with the gospel we've received? What are we supposed to? So he started the first Swiss bank. So people say they hid their money in Swiss bank accounts because he set up the first righteous way to become a millionaire. And if you play the four quadrants, you don't become a millionaire by owning a business. And I know people. Okay. That's a whole nother world, but that's not how to do it. <laughs> that's not how to do it. When you own a business now, you're, you're not just when you go to work, you're giving your time for money and you can leave. When you own a business, you're giving your time of your life. You can never leave it. You can never leave it. So as you, your truck and another guy helping you, that, you, you, you know, if I mean, you, you can do well there. Well, you know. But you don't get well that you don't get wealthy that way. You get wealthy when you have enough money to invest in someone else and you go to sleep. And that money is earning money. And now, right now, there are incredible ways that you can take a thousand dollars and invest it and grow it every month. And in a year or two, you have replaced your salary. And now you're simply investing and now you're teaching your children to do it. So back to the questions. Yeah. Yeah. So every this world we live in is a beautiful, amazing place. Okay, here's the last thing I'll say to you. And now I want you to help me answer these questions. Pastor Nell's going to read them to us. Okay. Everything in the universe, and I'm not being weird. If you read your Bible in Genesis one, what you're noticing is that God is engineering and creating a culture. That's that's all it is. Lights and the first lights that were created weren't lights. It wasn't the sun. They came later. It was information light. And now everything is moving at the speed of that light information revelation. So when we get stuck back here, the kingdom doesn't stop for you. You can decide to be ignorant, but it'll never be ignorant. It is still moving at the speed of light. Scientists finally said scientists finally said we will never see. The end of the universe. We won't get there because it's not moving linear at the speed of light. The universe is moving in every direction at the speed of light. It is totally pushing out forcefully. You'll never get there. You're not going to get to the end of God. So now it's up to you what you know. It's not up to anyone else. 
It's up to you what you know. It's up to you what you dream. And you, anything you're dreaming, you're dreaming it because it already exists. If you see your, if you see your city, if you see your city in a great place and people are coming here instead of going somewhere else, if you see it, it's already done. It's just a matter of if you can receive it, that you can be a part of it. That's it. That's it. This whole expansion of who everything he made. Let me finish this thought. Everything he made, he made it to respond to your thoughts and your words. I'm not going to get weird here. Everything, everything, ants, roaches, moon, stars, they respond to you. That's how he created it. Then he showed you in case you think I'm getting weird. He said, now, I'm going to put all this together for you. Let me show you how to use it. And he told you 11 times how to use it. And God said, he's showing you how to use the machine he built. And God said, let there be light. He's showing you that the universe, everything. Joshua, I, want, I need the sun to stand still. Joshua didn't know the sun wasn't moving. But because of his words, everything stopped so he could finish the battle. You have what you say. The universe doesn't know it, doesn't understand sarcasm. Well, I'm going to live in the poorhouse. The universe says, let me help this fool get to the poorhouse. That's what that's how it works. It doesn't know when you're joking. You need proof of that, too. God said to God's Okay, God's okay. Well, well, he, he said to Sarah, he said to Abraham. Why is Sarah laughing? No, you read it in the Hebrew. Why is she laughing? She's laughing in her tent. God is like, I don't know. I don't understand laughter. I don't understand what she's like. Is, why is she laughing in her tent? She said, I'm not laughing. He said, yes, you did. He says, I don't, this, I don't understand laughing when I just told you this year, next year, this time you're going to have a baby. I don't understand. I'm not, I'm not humor. I'm not... He's a king. So when he says something, it's already done when he says it. So he's trying to figure out why are you laughing about the dreams I give you? When God gives you a dream, you think it's your job to make it happen. And that's what we get in trouble. It's not your dream to make it happen. It's your job to say, wow, God, thank you. And the universe responds to you. It's not your responsibility. You just dig the ditch. He fills it with water. You can't. Yeah. You dig the right ditch built on dreams. Well, we'll get there. You dig the right ditch and God says, don't worry. It's not going to come by rain. It's not going to come by this way. But the next morning, the ditches were full of water. That's his stuff. How? It's not your stuff. So this is, babe, what are the questions? This is going to be so good. I promise you. What do you want? How do you find out what you want? (laughs) Well, you know. That's another side of what I do. How do you find out what you want? How do you know? 
How does he know what he wants? He has a dream. What keeps you up at night? Most people don't know how to find their desire. And I'm sorry, you just got, you're going to have to pay to come to one of my seminars to find that out. But most people don't know what they really want because life has blocked out their sensory mechanisms to find out what they really want. But it's in you. You talk about it. You dream about it. It frustrates you. You get close to cussing when you see it done wrong. <laughs> Say again. Okay, y'all answer. Yep. Right. How do you find out what you want? Pardon? Ask. Ask. You can ask God. God, what's your desire for me to fulfill? How and why have you built me this way? <clears throat> why do I think this way? Why, why did I come from this family? What's the DNA of my family? You can, you can find out exactly what you want, and it's, very, it's, it's okay to make it simple. It's okay to make it, well, I just want a great family. in uh, just a tag with him we are so consumed knowing what our denominations want we don't have space or time to think about what God said to me and what God is requiring of me you can do that inside of a church but churches their 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 track of developing God's people yep is far and few in between to even address what do you want? Okay, next question. Question number two, how to stop passing on generational curses? How we do that? Repentance is amazing. Repentance is not coming to the altar and telling God you're sorry for drinking last night. That's not repentance. <laughs> repentance is you've, you've seen something new and you realize it's revelation and you change your direction. That's repentance. Okay, <clears throat> let me show you something. Let's see if we can get this right. The three of you come. Let's, let's show them this illustration. So me and Dr. Glenn, we're the church. <clears throat> We're the church. These two ladies are the worlds. You stand here. You stand here. They're the world. Stand. I want you to stand up here. Your baby. Okay. Now, we're church. We're in a world around us that's expanding at the speed of light. This world around us, amazing things are happening. But we're the church and we spend most of our time looking at one another. You know, we're like, well, 
Then we start comparing to one another. And in the spirit, it looks like this, patty cake. You ever played? We're just, we're, we're yeah. We, we. Now, while we're playing games, we're unaware that above our heads, they're trading. They're, they're establishing. We're still down here. You know, I saw you on YouTube. I think you stole Life. that sermon from T.D. Jakes. Life. It wasn't good. Your choir, my choir is better than yours. This is what we're doing. They're above our heads. They're up at four o'clock in the morning deciding how I'm going to live while I'm playing games and in 24-hour prayer services. They're exchanging. They're working together. They work together when they don't like one another. We ain't something with you jointly. You mean there's a barbershop down the street that if we came together, we could buy it? Mm-mm. I don't want nobody. I stand on my whose name? Who's submitted to who? Who's the boss? So we do nothing. Then we get in our car and we curse them. Look at her. Look at her driving that Cadillac. Her daughter's in school at MIT. She's paying cash for it. I mean, did you see that ring on her finger after the we're cursing her? But they are working together. Now, watch this. Let's stand up in the middle of it. What just happened? Disruption. <laughs> Let me ask you something. And if y'all don't say it, Doc G will. What does it take? to disrupt that. What did we just do when we stood up? What happened? Revelation, we, we became aware that something else had to be going on. When you see the downtown being rebuilt, when you're seeing people moving out and people moving in, as soon as you see a little girl walking a dog and has a baby in a carriage in your hood, it's over. <clears throat> You're too late. So what happens for Uber to exist in the middle of taxis in New York? What happened? What does it take to stand up for the natural body? Structure. Structure, bones, organization, management systems deciding how do we do it we have to have strategy so when we stand up like a Mississippi rabbit when you stand up you gotta run you can't sit there somebody gonna shoot you <laughs> what else do you need if you're gonna stand up while people are trading over your heads One of the main ones we teach is you, you know, you've heard, you've heard said in so many forms, uh, if you take out your phone and you look at the top five people you communicate with over and over and over, if you start looking around, all everybody in your group is at this level. You got to analyze where you are. 
And you have to have a desire for something different than you for no more. And one of you got to either step up and step out, you know, because an, an information will make that that jump in you to get up. Uh, that's how we got connected. This, this in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, we didn't know them from anybody. We just didn't know. But the hunger in us, we were like the lepers. We start moving in the in the same direction and we find what we need as we get up and get moving. Mm -hmm. I love you, mama, but I don't want to live in a mobile home all my life. Not when I drove by all these other four bedroom houses, something those people know behind those doors that I don't know. I don't know. And so we have a philosophy in the Williams household. It's not always money. It's what we don't know Mm -hmm. that's keeping us in the back row. Something we don't know that somebody else does. So do you get you get the illustration? Yes. So we're we have been playing. Now it's time for us to stand up together. Amen. Right. In unity. Right. And helping one another find out what each one another's gifts are. Supporting others in their gifts. And together we make one body. And provoking one another to good work. Come on, man. You've been in this church 10 years and you're still talking that same old sad story. Well, you know, until you change your story, I'm just going to sit on the other side of the church. I love you and I'm not leaving. But, uh, you know, until you get another story, don't come my way. Victim, thank y'all. Victimized sermons create victimized people. Victimized sermons, victimized Sunday school lessons, victimized words, victimized testimonies. Some of the stuff happening in our churches, we have to stop. We are not victims. We are victors in him. Anytime I tell my congregation, hold on, don't let go. Just hold on. Now, maybe for some people in the church, the best they can do is hold on and don't let go. Not minimizing that. But at the end of the day, there are some people sitting in the pew that you need to tell them, let's get up. Let's move. It's time for us to manifest. Time for us to be brilliant. So the so the so the church has to stop playing games. The church has to stop playing games and the church has to be in uh Second Kings six, second Kings seven, when Elijah got the vision that by this time tomorrow, there's going to be barley and Shia at pennies for the pennies for the barley load for the wagon load. Well, today we're eating. The king says today we're eating. We're eating our own children. We're eating pigeon poop and putting it in water and making soup. And you're saying in 24 hours, everybody's going to have food. So the king, the king himself is like, oh, I don't know. Then he had a man on whom he trusted. And this man was in charge of the gate. This is the church. This is the church, if you you understand the scripture. The man he's leaning on says it'll never happen. (laughs) So the church says it won't happen. 
So now what God is doing, because the, the revelation of the kingdom keeps moving, whether we get it or not, he goes right around us to Elon Musk. He goes right around us to Apple, to Google. He goes right around us to Uber. He goes right around us to Netflix while Blockbuster dies. And people who see it, they just keep developing from the mind of God. It's amazing what's happening. And with the Internet, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to. You can do it all from your phone. <laughs> yes, sir. also to her question about um, passing on or not passing on generational curses uh, and I think it has to do with the previous generation being willing to do what, what this man did yesterday on the way home immediately he caught his daughter and I think that sometimes we were at the dream weekend uh, in uh, December and we were at a table and the lady was talking about how she grew up in poverty but she's not in poverty but she grew up in poverty oh. and she would find herself saying to her children what her mother said to her. That's not true to her children. So she felt this sense of lack uh, overwhelming her. Like it's not enough or that we don't like, don't waste that or don't, you know, like her language was cultivated in the way she was raised. And so even though it wasn't true for her family, she was perpetuating that her truth instead of their truth and kind of wanting them to feel what she felt growing up. And so I think sometimes breaking generational curses is like being willing to interrupt and say that just because that was the way that I was raised, there's no disrespect to what my, the limitations that my parents may have known or my previous pastor or my previous leader or my previous denomination. I don't have to curse where I've come from in order to make sure that I move forward in a new so revelation, good. that I can respect my history as a place of platform, but we don't live like that no more. And so, and so we perpetuate like all these family secrets to to keep these sacred cows and all this stuff that when new information comes to disrupt, to create something new, instead of owning, hey, I just learned something new and I was ignorant and I didn't get it and being willing to be transparent in your transformation, then we preserve the old for the sake of, uh, of our history. Yeah, instead of the new into the new wise skin. And so I think that that generational curse get broken the moment we we ready to give away and apply new information immediately, even if it makes us feel like we have to expose the fact that we did it out of ignorance. Exactly. And everybody's not willing to, uh, to do that, to say, yo, I was wrong and this is right. And immediately, because it costs a lot to do that. It costs a lot to, to get up and be injected with truth and say that some stuff that I preached last year, I don't believe no more to your church. Yes. Like, yes. I don't believe that no more. Yes. And, and, and with, with, without, with, at the risk of saying to your church that because I have new revelation and I am growing and evolving and studying and praying that I've gone from faith to faith. Yes. 
Yeah. And that message from 2014, that was y'all favorite message, is not real no more. Like, that's not it. That's not it. Because that's where I got happy on, just wait on God. And then I realized wait on him meant something totally different than what I knew at that time. And so when we don't, when we don't challenge our own paradigm, and as leaders of our family, businesses, mm -hmm. and churches, if we're not willing to tra be transparent and grow up in front of our family, grow up in front of our church, and grow up in front of our businesses to say that I'm continuously getting better, well, then we good. perpetuate ignorance. So we have to be willing to go, all that was wrong, and I'm tearing it up. And we have to know how to tear it up, too, because you can get injected with some information that you'll go back and tear it up too fast and then that'll make a mess too so it's like it's a delicate balance of what you do with revelation yeah because that's knowledge and then wisdom is applied knowledge i'm telling you wisdom because you can go tear up some stuff trying to trying to recreate some stuff and make more of a mess than if you would have just transitioned it properly so you just gave me my sermon for tomorrow. Don't be sorry. <laughs> I had my hands in my pocket, but I was writing all that down. Yeah. Okay. Which question are we still on? How many do we have left? We're on. We. I think we just addressed. Generational cursing. We, we, we own four because you guys, when we did that illustration, it addressed it. Pastors group, Pastor Johnson's, how do a church raise up from the playpen to managing transactions? Structure. Right. I'm going to show you just a little bit of that in a minute. You had a comment or? I had a question. Okay. Based on, on what you said, Pastor, Pastor Jermone. So if you're a person who gets revelation of kingdom knowledge, example, my parents are still alive. They're 79, 76. Okay. They love. They did the best they could with what they knew. I'm the first one in my family to get generational knowledge or kingdom knowledge. So now our 12-year-old son is being raised differently. But there's still this, this thing that you want to be, you want to honor your parents, mm -hmm. right? But you can't do those things anymore. So how do you how do you do that? And and are you being disrespectful if um, you say, Pastor Linnell, you you said I, I need to stay away from you? <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? I got an answer too. And honor God and honor <laughs> your parents. Yeah. No, go ahead. I'm gonna give my answer too. Oh, my, I was just gonna say disagreement does. Disagreement does not qualify for dishonor. Never. Disagreement never qualifies for dishonor. It's not dishonorable to disagree. Exactly. We can disagree, and I can still honor you. Uh, in my, in the words of my pastor, you wanna, you want a scripture? So Noah, <laughs> Noah, 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 Noah is is drunk after an incredible encounter. In the field, he's gotten drunk off of wine, and one of his sons found him and went and told his other brothers. The other two brothers that came back didn't look at what the first brother saw. They covered him, not to say they agreed or disagreed, but they said, we won't dishonor our father. We'll cover him. 
the other one could have covered him and never told the other brothers. But instead, he went and told the other brothers, and the other brothers came back and never told anybody else. So disagreement does not necessarily mean dishonor. It just means I can disagree with you and still honor you because honor is placed upon your distinct difference. So honor is based upon your position, your role, your title, not your behavior. Honor your mother and your father because father is a position. Mother is a position, not because of your behavior. So honor is placed upon, I honor what God honors. So I can honor you even if I disagree with you because disagreement never qualifies for dishonor. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> for, your, for your parents, and I totally agree. My, my family is Kojic, Church of God in Christ. Now I don't know if y'all got one of a blessed Kojic church in your city. Okay. Her people are Kojic. That's where we come from. <clears throat> so when I started a non-denominational church in Omaha, my Kojic bishops, my families, like, what are you doing? Said, I'm just trying to follow the Lord. We don't necessarily understand it, I know, but at least you can say we're saved. We love Jesus, so we'll work all that out. Well, you just need to come on back. So I have guest speakers, Donna McClurk and people come to church. You just need to come on back to the grand old church of God in Christ. I get it. Now, the day I went home and bought my parents their houses, <laughs> bought her mom and daddy a house, bought my sister a house that raised us. They don't pay any bills. They sat me down and said, tell us about this kingdom you've been talking about. <laughs> Uh, so you just blessed. I says, no, see, y'all say blessed means God has done something for me. He won't do for others. I'm not blessed. I'm principled. I just use the principles that are in that same book. That's it. Not special, not smart, not none of that this book, and now my father-in-law understands the kingdom. My sister understands the kingdom. She sit, she's sitting up in a hotel room she didn't pay for, a house she didn't pay for, going to shows, in the street. When she looks at the price of the tickets, you bought five of these? I said, yeah, we bought five of these. We wanted to sit with you and watch you in Broadway. We did it. $15,000 trip for four days just to be with her. She's like, God's been very good to you. You've changed our family. I said, yes. And the kingdom, the kingdom message will change our entire family. You don't even have to leave your denomination, but you got to leave your denomination. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe you're telling me to leave. Look, let me tell you how denominations started. They started simply because they all wanted to be different. That's it. So to be different, you have to find at least one thing that's different about your church than the next one. So you will meet, I meet Pentecostals all the time, all the time. And I can tell some Pentecostal women, your dress has to be, you know, mid thigh. Well, no, -uh. you got to be below the knee in our church. Mm -hmm. And then people say, mm -mm, you got to be around the ankle. It's part of our church. It's just, it, it, 
it's 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 just what are we doing? So now we have women in the mall who know what Pentecostal church they're from. They won't let their children date. They're separated and divided, and we're being reduced to individuals and not groups. And you can't get nothing done by yourself. Next question, because I do have something I want to share with you. How do we perceive and understand the places of transfer? Then the next question came, how, what could happen generationally if we could understand the places of transfer? Of transfer. How do you recognize when you're in a place of transfer? How do you know it? And when you when you go to South America, if if you if you've never been to um, if you've never been to um, um, the tip where the Atlantic meets the Pacific in South Africa, millions of people come there every year just to surf. If you've not been to the Rockies, and people are white water rafting. You know you're in a place of transfer when there's white water. Warren Buffett says it like this. When there's confusion everywhere, those are your opportunities. He said, so when everyone is confused, invest. <laughs> when everyone is settled and the water's calm, draw back to cash. He lives his life the opposite. So whenever you feel disrupted, you feel confused, you're not sleeping well at night, <clears throat> you keep thinking and dreaming, you can't gather your thoughts and everything, you're in a place of transfer. Doesn't matter where you are. You've got to realize what's happening. Is this place of transfer in one of the seven mountains? Is it something medical? Is it finance? Is it business? Is it family? What's going on around your life? Confusion, um, uh, things not feeling well or settled in your spirit, you have to recognize that's God. It's not the devil. It's God setting you up and you're like, Abraham, should, you told me to kill Isaac, I'll kill him. You raise the knife and God says, don't kill him. I got something else for you to do. Those places are transfer and you can simply read Read the newspaper, read the news, understand what's happening in the world around you as it's happening and before it's happening. Those are places of transfer. By the time people start leaving the church, we have missed the wave of the transfer. Something's happened that we didn't catch. And I've been there 25 years. I've been there. So, wow, what did I miss? What was that? What happened? Now we're learning how to be ahead of that. What's getting ready to happen instead of what happened. So those, those places, those places of transfer, you have to recognize them and the signs are not peace and calm. The signs of transfer is intrepidation. It's confusion. It's, it's, um, 
We see the when you see the surf is high. Most people run from the surf in South Africa. <laughs> but the people who love to surf understand a few things. You know what they understand? They understand you cannot create a wave. The only thing you can do is prepare for a wave. Notice a wave in the beginning and ride it into shore. You can't make a wave. So those guys will be sitting out there. They paddled out a half mile and they're just sitting there. And they can tell the right wave when it's only two to three feet tall. Because they understand this is going to be a big one. <laughs> and so they start paddling when they see the wave coming. They always do this. The way that's being created behind them, they're catching up to take advantage of it. And by the time we see them on the wave, it's 40 feet tall. <laughs> but they've been made for that. And at the end, they get washed out on the beach. Then they emerge and we're like, "Woo, that was nice. But we're clapping on the shore. <laughs> huh? We do it backwards. and we see it and we allow fear yeah. to come in and instead yeah. of telling fear I know you're there but I'm doing it anyway yeah. we, we settle in then and then when it's calm we think that's God because he's calmed everything no. now is the time to do something because God is in control and no. so it's calm so now I can do something and it does not work that way Nope. It does not work that way. You have to do regardless. And here and here and here's what I want to get to in a minute. So I want to set you up. We got one more question, but I want to set you up for this because we have to deal with this question. What is the real job of the church? And you said last night <laughs> in your opening communities and churches that do not think about the future are already behind. Yep. Okay, the next question is, what does being God's sons, little gods, little Gs, truly mean? I think that was Brother Tim. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's the answer to that? The question was, what does it really mean to be God's son? I am God's son, so I am him. He is me. We are one. True. And I think, right. uh, Brother Tim, your question was on the premise of Psalm uh, Hosea that said in Psalms, when it says that I said you are God's, but you shall die like mere men. Yep. Okay. So let us make man, let us make man, capital U, capital U, capital U, uh, with the tweet and the toot and the, the tilde at the top is divinity, God, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us, let us in our triune, um, in our triune oneness, let us make man. Let us make man in 
our image and in our likeness. Let's make him the mirror reflection of us. So image doesn't mean I look like God because he's a spirit. He doesn't look like anything. But I operate like him. I'm in his image. I think like him. I manage my life like him. Whatever he does, I do. If I don't do that, I won't have success. And I'm created in his likeness, which means I must operate on the same systems he operate on. He operates on. That's likeness. So if he engineers a car, if he engineers a car, he engineers the car to run on gas or electricity. Okay. He engineers a car that's got to run on gas. He sells it to this crazy driver. She can drive. He sells it to this lady. She takes it home and she puts water in the tank. What happens to the car? Because it was created in a likeness. You're created in a likeness and you don't know it. So whatever God runs on is what you have to run on. You, you won't work unless you're running on what he runs on. A man, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone. God doesn't run on eating food. Your body does. See, the scripture teaches us this. So, so, so God says a couple things and he doesn't give you a choice. He says, love one another. He's not asking you. He's saying, I am beloved. Let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loveth is born of God. He that loveth not does not know God. What he's saying is, if you don't love, you're, I run on love. That's what's in my gas tank. If you don't run on love, you don't know me. He says, have faith. He didn't say, uh, you know, let's see if we can get you faith. He said, have it. He said, I've already given it to you because that's who I am. God lives. God lives by faith. You are in his likeness. And until you rel until you realize you're in his image and in his likeness, you run on the same stuff. You think and you operate like he does. You'll never have anything until you know you're a son of God. God looks into nothing and talks to it and stands back. Because the Holy Spirit's job is just to hover and wait yes. until you give a direction. Yes. It hovers over the waters. It's just there on the land you want, the political office you want, the girl you want to marry. He just hovers. He just watches over her as she goes to class because he knows that's the wife for you or the husband for you or the land for you or whatever. He just hovers. And when you speak, the Holy Spirit starts working. But until you realize that you are the son of God, Jesus said, I'm in. Watch how he said. He said, I'm in God. God's in me. And you are in me. How you don't figure that out? <laughs> he says, I'm in God. You're in me. And I'm in God. Maybe you don't hear it. <laughs> so I'm in Jesus. And in God, how do you separate us? 
What is the difference from me dreaming about buying a Walmart and God saying buy a Walmart? What's the difference? There is no difference. It's the same. How's it different? I'm in Jesus. Jesus is in me and we in God. Whatever I'm thinking is what he already thought. I don't separate them. Why? that pride you we have been taught from our forefathers in the church i'm just a humble servant i'm no servant of the lord tell me in sunday school what it meant to be transformed in the likeness the character of god so when this tone that i'm using it is of god that I can be born and raised in Mississippi and be transformed from that slavery mentality that is still operating in the structure called the church today. Not just the Bible Belt, but across this world. And that same Bible that other nationalities came to us and gave to us and took resources, took dignities, took all the things and left us again I'm just a humble servant. And God owns the universe. If you call him Abba Father, you should not be broke. Broke in your thinking, broke in everything. That's not of God. Our emotion, low self-esteem. Where do you get that from? Victim mentality. I'm telling you, I'm a product of this word. I mean, my... I can't not begin to tell you if you would just believe the word. I mean, really believe it. It will be manifest. It was and is becoming more every day. I I can do all things through Christ. Dr. Monroe said, you do not grow in good times. It takes a crisis. Yep. To bring out your leadership. It takes a crisis in your city to bring out your leadership. Moses stands before Pharaoh. Who did Pharaoh see? What did God say to Moses? Listen, he said to Moses, I'm going to make you God to Pharaoh. I'm sorry, it's in your Bible. Okay. Okay. Did you read it? I'm gonna make you God to Pharaoh. So when you show up to buy something, who they see? It's my son. Show my son. My I mean, my son shows up. My son shows up at the store where I have an account. He's on the account with me. I'm his father, and he shows up and he says, "Give me that. I'm taking it home." And he goes, sits down and starts playing a game on his phone, waiting for them to put it in a bag. Is he proud or is he just my son? <laughs> he's just my son. He ain't proud. He's not, he's not weird. He's my son. He's coming to get something that he's going to use because of my name. Jesus' name is not something we just pray in Jesus' name. No, it, it, he is the <laughs> I mean, I'm, I show up as God in the name of Jesus who put me in God. There is no separation between me and him. We are the same. 
Well, you got sin, Martin. Listen, the blood of Jesus <laughs> has paid for it all. And I live a repentant life every day. God help me in my shortcomings where I've not done right. Forgive me. I'm going to live better today. Everything I know how. But that doesn't change my spirit. My spirit is perfect all of the time. No. No. I don't know if that helped. But if you go through the Bible and study all the I am's of God. Study all the I am's of God and put your name in there. <laughs> the revelation and the Holy Spirit will help you just begin to understand. I am bold. I am brilliant. I am powerful. I am God's son. I am. You start feeling that and everything around you. The Indians say, and we get them weird. The Hindus say, we play with snakes and cobras and y'all come and take pictures and say we're demon possessed. And they said, we've just realized what you Christians have not. We see God in the cobra. And we tell the cobra, we, we, we honor the God in you. So because the cobra can honor God in us, they don't bite us. Exactly. Genesis one. They recognize the God in the elephant and the elephant recognizes the God in them. He is everywhere, created all things. Everything you see, Ephesians, everything you see wasn't created by what you see. It was created out of the invisible. So God is anything you can terraform. OK, that's too much. OK, so why don't I do this for our last 30 minutes together? Oh, yeah, please. You need to answer this one, Jamal. I agree. The last question is. Can y'all hear? Are y'all doing stuff back there? You running the cameras, aren't you? Okay. Can y'all hear us though? Okay. Last question. How to identify the destiny achievers that should stay in Flint? Yeah. Great question. Brilliant. I think that, I think it's about, I think it's the, uh, the revelation of the tree, you know, uh, in Matthew. I think that it's about, if God gives you a vision for your city, the reason why people are wanting to flee to other cities is because they're fleeing to somebody else's vision of that city. So they see, it's not the city, it's that they see themselves living in somebody else's idea that was created in another place. And when they look around, they don't see themselves living in any idea. And everybody does not have the ability to create an idea to live in. So if you're a destiny achiever in a city is because God's given you an idea for a region that you want people to leave. So it creates more space for you to create the idea that you see. So then the people that God wants to draw to your idea, your hub, your tree to build their nest in, to be able to incubate and live in, that's what needs to happen. So what ends up happening is when there's a flight from a city, there's other people outside of that city that sees it as an opportunity. Then they create an idea for people to flock to. 
and all the people who it belonged to have already vacated mm-hmm. or or left what was there. So somebody else comes in and take over what they did not see and then creates a space for people to live in what they saw. And then they call that gentrification or uh, community revitalization or redevelopment or whatever, which basically all it is is if you study the life cycle of any city, it's just every city goes through a life cycle where somebody has a vision that other people can see themselves living in. So where there is no vision, scripture last night, people perish. So when you look at your city, if you see people perishing, poverty is lack of vision. That's all it is. That's all poverty is. Poverty, the definition of poverty in the kingdom is lack of vision. Period and point blank. Because wherever there's vision, there is no poverty. And where there is poverty, so what people who's making those transitions over our head do is they create poverty. It's an industry. They create poverty so that they can get the land for cheap and then insert vision where there was poverty after the people transferred out. Then they create a vision where people can live in. And then when you come back to live in my vision, I get to charge you what you live, what it costs to live in my vision. So let's talk about Atlanta. You can fly to Atlanta if you want, but the cost of living in that those people vision Vision's already set is there. two hours commute everywhere you go, is taxes on a higher bracket, is more of a competitive market because it's a lot of fish and there, there's no isolation, there's no specialty, there's there's just more competition. It, it, it's lost its charm because it has too many implants. You know what I mean? It's not people that are uh, organic to the region. So there's, so there's not that authenticity to it. It's still a sweet spot because of the history, but even that history, because that vision died, what used to be the place where the civil rights movement birthed and all of that, all that has now turned into Atlanta is a whole different, got a whole different agenda. You know what I'm saying? And that's because people, and that's because, and that's because people who, who created or saw a vision for that city created that vision. And then now people from all over the world flock to that vision. So what all, all I'm trying to say is that if you're a destiny achiever, plant the tree, let the tree sprout and let people come live in, yep. live in your vision and live in your idea. And if you do not have a vision for a city, you should leave that city. Yep. Woo. Yep. He's clear. Look at his eyes. <laughs> wow. We got to write. We have to write. We have to find an easy system to write because this information, what he just told you, masterful. So if we turn the coin over, Doc G, if you don't have a vision for a city, you should leave it. What's the statement on the other side of the coin? If you have a vision for a city, you should stay. And make that vision known. And you, have to, and you have to be able to, you have to be, and you can't, you, you have to be able to see 
the analogy, maybe maybe Dr. Martin will will expound on what I keep referring to as a tree. I keep not touching it on purpose because he's masterful at explaining it. But one of the secrets in Mark in Matthew 13 of the kingdom of God is yeah. it's like a a, a, a tree, but yeah. a tree is like a seed, right? Yeah. And so it's like inside of every seed is a tree or really inside of every seed is a forest. And so what people look for is they look for trees instead of looking for seeds, right? And so they're frustrated because all the seeds have grown up and sprouted and I don't see no space and they're missing all of the soil everywhere. It's soil. Like when you drive through and look through, it's I'm just telling soil. You. So when you everywhere. see all this soil, that the the person with no vision sees soil as abandonment, rejection, that's empty building, emptiness. They're like, oh, ain't nothing here, ain't nothing here. That's good. You can't don't try to convince them. Just be, oh yeah, okay. Because that's all that's how that's how they see. But a person with seed sees soil. And so they go, Oh, that's empty. That means nothing's there. Let me plant something. And if I plant something, I create something. If I create something, people will come to it. So that's an opportunity. But everybody don't see it as opportunity. They see it as a flight. And that's fine. That's okay. But for every soil, every time you see soil, every time you see desolation, every time you see vacation, every time you see uh, isolation, these are all opportunities to a visionary. Yep. And so you don't want... Thank God we appreciate Will Smith's son for having, he's like, oh, y'all don't see it. Let me just come in and show you what you don't see. And I'm going to create what you could create too, but your limitations, because the school system here has taught a limitation of not seeing it as an opportunity. So the people that are germane to this region, instead of embracing that this is our city, we can create something different. They've been cultivated in an environment to see it as rejection or as negativity instead of opportunity. So it's like the kingdom message takes your head, the kingdom message, the kingdom is a system. And so it takes a system to supersede a system and the kingdom supersedes every, every system, system, every system. So. If you take the education system and try to create this and people that was raised in this system, they won't be able to do it because this system taught them to look for handouts and programs instead of partnerships. The kingdom of God has taught this system to supersede the yep. system. And so that changes the system. And so now if you begin to take, get a hold of the kingdom message, then you get to lift the ceiling off a system that was supposed to sit on you. And then you start changing the system. People are like, how are you changing the system? You was raised in this. No, I was raised for this. Not in it. Uh, not in, not this. in this. That's what it means when he says, I'm in it but not of it. I'm in the world, but I'm not Woo! of it. When I'm in the world, but I'm, I'm, I'm I wasn't raised in this. I was I'm in Flint, but I'm not of it. Yeah, I'm not of it. I was sent here from heaven. Yeah, I was cultivated. I was cultivated. <laughs> I was cult. I was literally conditioned and cultivated by this environment. Like when, like, like in our, in our, and I'm, a, and I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna hand the mic. It, this is interesting. Uh, in our city. Um, I went, I like uh, natural remedies and, you know, holistic health food stuff, right? So in my city, um, I was dealing with some kind of allergy or something. And the lady at the juicery, she made me a juice and she gave, she put honey 
in the particular uh, concoction that she made. But what she said was, these are honey made by local bees. Local bees. And I said, why does that matter? And she said, because the pollen is, they have what they have, what they need in their system specific for this region because they are from this region. So when it gets in your body, it's so going to deal with this region because it was cultivated in, in this, this region. region. I said, <laughs> I drank it up and it worked because she was saying that the conditions or the climate created what was necessary Tell to me. combat what was inside of me. So you were cultivated in this region so that you understand it so that now you get in, 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 impacted with the kingdom message and now you supersede the system that was designed to destroy you in a system and you standing on top of it and you own it because you got rights to the region because you got history blood you go sweat and you're like your roots is in the region so you you have a territorial dominion that other people that come in from another region have to gain access and rights for because they're 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 you have to give up your birthright for them to do it to come in and do it in the season in in the region and so and so it's like it's like it's like the way territories work i'm telling you the way territories work because you have dominion in a region the 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 system that's created in this region is created to create a flight because the way that it works in heavenly places is you have to give up your space in order for somebody to birthright and blessing exactly so as long as y'all here they can't do it if you give up your space then they can come in and create because you gave up your space if you have dominion then that has to be allowed whatever you allow whatever you disallow that has to be allowed or not allowed and so if you allow it because you're in place then they come in in the form of help you know, oh, let me write you a grant. And let me, that's a program. That's not a partnership. And our government, the United States of America government, is great at programs. But our government, the kingdom of God, is about partnerships. Don't never trade a, a program for a partnership. And so you, you maintain your position by negotiating the partnership, not the program. And if you don't, if you if you negotiate, if you negotiate, you. if you if 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 you tell your friends, your generation, don't give up the partnership for a program. The government wants to give you a program because that's a trade for your dominion. That's a trade. Tell your generation we only are interested in partnerships. And then you'll see if they have right intent. Because the moment you get ready for the program, they'll write the check and hand it out. The moment you request the partnership, they want to know, because partnership means uh, equal win. Who's in charge of it? Who controls it? Da, 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 da. So they'll write you a check to program you out because that you, you sell your birthright. You give up your dominion. But they won't write you a check as fast for a partnership because partnership means you own it also. And they're afraid of ownership because that's dominion. So let the flighters flight, but let the people, the people that's called to stay and create, 
let them stay and create, but not stay for the sake of staying. The only reason why we're here is because we're about to build this vision for other people to live in. Feel me? Yeah. Sorry, Pops. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> kind of said, but what you forgot to say is that you are born for your generation. You're born to solve a problem. So God knew this way before you ever existed, that this would be the issue for your region. So because of that, the answer and the solution is inside of you. So you, you know, y'all fleeing to another place because it's bad. You're, you're going away with the solution. So then this causes this to be another year dealing with the same thing because the solution has left the region. So you have to know that even though this problem exists, it's not for them to solve, it's for you to solve because the solution is inside of you. You're not born in this, you're born for this. That's what I said, you're not born in this, you're born for this. And the history lesson this is, why is I came. just up the road. My dad called me when Detroit started going down and he asked me the question because he always calls me and asks me, what does the prophet have to say? He said, son, is Detroit ever coming back? I said, it's on a border that it is absolutely coming back. It just had horrible city planning. They will not, it is not Gary, Indiana. He said, well, why do you say that? I said, Gary, Indiana mm -hmm. probably will not come back mm -hmm. because it's no value to the, the region to come back. It's industry, it's a transfer. It's from, it's from, it's from this part of Indiana to, to Chicago. That's the best that Gary gonna get. So they gotta, and nobody there has a vision for it because they, wow. they keep on looking well, back on Gary Michael Jackson, Jordan. Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson came from here. That's, that's their claim to fame. They just keep on talking about Michael Jackson so they can't see that Gary, Indiana. So, so here's Detroit, the idea. So Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, people can't see its value in it, but China, China bought the toll road. Yeah, you're not driving America. on your streets. China bought the toll road that is the fastest way from you to get from Michigan to Chicago. Yep. They bought the toll road. They own it. When they acquired it, it was $5 to get through all three tolls from Michigan to Chicago. Now it's $10.25 to get from. That toll road, it by itself runs through Gary, Indiana. They bought it because nobody else saw any value in it. Now back to Detroit. So Detroit is up the street asking you the question, is Detroit gonna survive or not? Of course, they put the hood on the water. They put the hood on the water. Horrible city planning. Put the hood on the water. When they finished putting the hood on the water, they just sat back, let the hood dilapidate all the way down. The hood, you in the hood and you can see Canada. You in the hood. Like, who gave that up? Who, who let that go? You in the hood and you can look across the water and see Canada and it's the hood. They said, we let that go. Horrible mayors, poor city planning, system corrupt educational system environment, let it all go. They let the hood on that side go, then they build up a big old casino, Motor City on this side of the hood. Then they build up, then they bought all of that land that's downtown that was nothing. Built Little Caesars Arena, 
where Little Caesars Arena is was nothing. It was nothing there. You know how much, how cheap they <laughs> bought that land for? Because it was nothing. It was soil. For seed soil. For seed. And then they created it. And while they created all that and built the house, they just let the hood keep dying. It's right around the corner. They let the hood keep dying. Now the hood is dead. Guess what they did? Come back over to the hood, and now they're going to tear all them dilapidated projects down and build high-rises. So now, in five to ten years, you're sitting where the hood used to be, looking out on the water that crosses up which, Canada. Which is the right thing to do. It's not the devil. It's not the devil. It's the right thing to do. It's just that the people that live there are behind. didn't see it. That's they it. did not have a vision for their city. Exactly. If they had a vision for their city, don't sit down. If they if they had a vision for their city, they would have got together and said, hey, something's getting ready to happen. We're going to start. We're going to start an LLC and all five thousand of us who own houses here. We're partners. That's what Jay-Z and T.I. That's what and we that's what they're doing right now. And we going to move out and we're going to tear down our own houses. We're going to make the land flat. And then we're going to sell it for millions of dollars because we know if you can see Canada from here, this is going to be developed. You will not. There is no <laughs> you get what I'm city saying? that's going to let a border city no. go down. Especially not Canada. So they let everybody fly out of Detroit. And now what's happening? You know, everybody on their way back to the D right now. They on their way back to the D because the D is on a swing. That's like it's a border. You can your America is not gonna let the border go down in no it's city. Gonna be developed. So when 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 Pastor said, pay attention to the wave, the tension. Where's it cresting? Where's the tension? Where's the confusion? What they do? Let's let's send Kwame to prison. He's corrupt. Get him out. Tension. Boom. That's when the swing started happening. That's every South Bay started looking at Detroit. They, nobody was paying attention. Detroit was just clean. Kwame over there cleaning up. They, what, what you doing over there? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, let's start taking some trips to Detroit. All of their students was graduating at the top of their class, getting shipped out to universities because their education system was low. And then they was getting to the universities and crumbling under the pressure because they were like, wait a minute, my reading score is not this reading score, but I graduated at the top of my class. We didn't care. We just shipped you out to get you out of here. Go away, go away, go away. And then now they come back to the city to reconvert. And so just because you graduated at the top of your class in your city means you don't have mean to ask the smart. question what is the education rate in my city before I start patting myself on the back you understand what I'm saying because that is a system that's created to keep you in poverty only the kingdom makes you raise above every system only the kingdom and it works in trying so when you see Nipsey what happened to Nipsey and then Jay-Z and T.I. and them all talk about now let's buy back our own community. It's the kingdom. We don't think, we don't, we don't believe that the kingdom is only relocated to church. Jesus said that the kingdom is suffering violence and the violence taken by force. That the kingdom is now. So you see it slipping out in music. You see, yep. you see people talk in secular music, which... That's a whole nother conversation. We see we see people talking about the keys to the kingdom, and yeah. I got the keys. They're rapping about it. Yeah. Now. And you see Jay-Z and them buying up saying we're gonna buy back our own communities. Basically, they're just saying we're gonna take principles of the kingdom of God and we're gonna apply them because the church while the church is playing games. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so 
church. We really do. Um, this is what we're doing right now this is, is what we need to use these platforms to do to educate the church on who God really is. It's not an ins it's an insult for us to come in here and be packed out looking at one guy that seemingly know what he's doing and we all go out of here happy slappy back to broken lives declaring that we know God. It's an insult. And then our millennials are one to exit out of here. You know, we've got to really reconstruct back to the original vision of the church to grow the saints up to know their God then release the saints release to them. go into the world violently and do exploits in the name of our king yep. but if you keep just seeing him as a savior as a healer he's all of that but that's not all he is he called you an ambassador. You better know this constitution. That's what you need to know. You better know more than Mary had a little lamb. That same John 3.16 talk about how loving he is. He's a bad boy too. He's a king. He's a king. He wants territory. Yep. Just like that queen over in uh, Europe. If you study it out, him loving the world was about loving the systems of the world, the kingdoms of the world, not just. See, now you can't you can't just do it like that. You got to you. you <laughs> yeah, you have to. We are, it's open. Already. This is what I'm saying. You just have to explain what you just said, that Jesus did not die because he loved you. No. He loved the systems of the world. What, quote it. For God so, For loved, God the so loved the world. world. That he gave his only begotten son. As a seed. Jesus. The first seed. Yeah. He loved the world that he. Son. He gave his only seed. God so loved the soil of the world that he planted his son into the seed of the world so he can get a harvest of the world. You hear it? That's what he did. That's what he did. That's community. That's colonization. God so loved the systems of the world, the soil of the world. While we're while we got stuck in that first reformation of yep. evangelism, we're still stuck come there. out, come out, come out. That we forgot. Go in, go in, go in. Exactly. <laughs> come, come, come to church. That we last thing he said was go. He didn't say come. He, he, Matthew 28 didn't say go invite everybody to church. He didn't say it. Matthew 28, that's not his final, that's not his final statement is go and invite everybody in church, go on every corner highway and pass out flyers. That's not what he said. He said, go ye into all the systems of the world. Of the world. Baptizing and abortion. preach the gospel, gospel of the to kingdom. that system. Yeah. Well, it should be the frustration of the church, right? Everybody, everybody's sitting around in church looking at this little spot. There's, this spot is not big enough for everybody and it's not your pastors it is not your pastor's responsibility to give you a spot go out there and build your own 
You go out there and you stand on the whatever you got to do. Let your testimony. This is not, you don't, pastors don't build churches. Sheep do. Do you not have a testimony? What has God done for you? Do you have any evidence in your life? Don't be talking about my pastor. If he would preach different, if he would, if the song would go, if the, no. Sheep grow the church. And this here, shoot, man, there, there are people in our church, this, these people, they, their platforms are much bigger than ours. Absolutely. Better be. There are people in our church, executives, <laughs> that pastor more, more people, people than we do. in corporate America, and they're shifting systems. We need to raise the level of understanding that we need to go. Let me, let me tell you, we, we, we had a young lady in our church. We had a young lady in our church that came to our church. She was a secretary in the health department. I'm going to tell you what the church does. She was a secretary. She came to church and I was teaching the kingdom. And I, was, I said that Sunday, I want you to imagine this room we're in and it has seven pulpits in it. Seven pulpits. And people are like, seven pulpits? I said, this is my pulpit. I'm called to the church mountain. But there's a pulpit over there called business. There's a pulpit over there called media and sports. There's a pulpit called government. We all stand on our pulpits. I said, my job is to make sure you rise in your pulpit, that you take your levels. That's what the church does. That's it. That's Ephesians four. Equip the saints. That's what the church does. This young lady under Pastor Nell's leadership, I say, unfortunately, we lost her. She died of breast cancer. And I told everybody, I said, now, I'm going to tell y'all what's happened. When, when her funeral comes, you're going to be amazed at who comes. She went from the secretary to being the state health director in all of Nebraska. She went from being a secretary to being over two million people's health uh, in five, five, six years. She did that from our house. On the day of her memorial, the governor sent a representative. The mayor of Lincoln was there. It was filled with 500 dignitaries because these were the people she led. She was more of a pastor than me. Her rulership and dominion was bigger than mine. And that's my job. My job is to create monsters, carnivores. <laughs> my job is to create dominion people. My job is to elevate the greatest and equip the least and tell them to run toward what God's told them. I can't be back here jealous. That's the whole idea. This dude over here, this dude over here preached for Hannah. He's going to Jamal Bryant's. I mean, TD, I mean people, TDJ. I mean, they have his number. He's, they call him. He is Travis Green. They are Travis Green's pastor. Yeah. See, the, you know, the, the kingdom mindset, we, we, we just are. We are just I am. You don't know who you're sitting with. We don't come up in here with no train. We come up in here with evidence. What did yeah, Pastor uh, Price just say? The church needs evidence. Yeah, yeah, 
You've been in the way 50 years. Where is your evidence? These young millennials are leaving us. All they want is a leader to tell them, I got mine. Go get yours. And let That's me the help new you. gang language in the church. And let get me, up out of here, Josh. Let me help you. Go and conquer. Go and dig some wells. Kill something. <laughs> and eat it. <laughs> you, you can sit down. <laughs> but but I would but honestly I would consider I would consider I would consider what your answer to the city's problems are. I would consider your own dreams and I would trust my intuition. And you may have some work to do. But when you're ready to gather 2 to 300 millennials to answer the problems that we don't see, or that we're just too tired to address. Call Doc Glenn, bring him in. Let him consult. Amen. Fill this place of some auditorium with millennials, and he'll help you work through the process. He won't just preach to you. He'll help you discern what's happening in your city. What do we do? How do we mobilize? From, from starting the right organizations, because I, I would dare you, I would dare you to Build something where you need nothing from anyone. But it's all self-generating. Yes. And let's see if they put that on CNN and Fox. <laughs> I was just saying, I was just echoing you that when the world is watching, that's an opportunity. That's your opportunity. God turned the whole world's eye. I kept waiting. I kept waiting for something on the news where people would say, but here's an indigenous grassroots movement. And it ain't a black or white thing, but the church, the church has come together to answer these issues. And we're saying we believe we can be a blessing to our city. It didn't happen. Everybody's on the shore watching that guy on the 50 foot wave. Catching the check. <laughs> Right. Yes. You need to be on the wave. You didn't get your break and I got 20 minutes left. So this is just. So let me quickly go. Let me just quickly just in a few minutes. But let me encourage you. If you if you didn't get the book last night, the brilliant church, you need to have the book. You, you got to have the book because it's it explains Everything we just talked about. <laughs> and it's succinct. It is very succinct. You, you need to get that book. And here's the bottom line. In Genesis 1 and then in Genesis 2, Genesis 2.10, we see a principle that God puts into place. God puts this principle into place. He created Adam. He put Adam in a place called Eden. And then from Eden, a river left from where Adam was, one river, and it turned into four river heads. Here's the principle God put in place. You must understand that everything starts with you. 
The river started with Adam. It flowed out from his space. The blessing of the Lord flows out from you. You don't need energy. You release energy. Do, do, we, do you understand what I'm saying? People say, I need energy. I need money. I need four streams of income coming to me. And that's why, that's why people are poor and people are sick. You don't need four streams of income. They got it from the scripture and they don't understand it. You are the stream. You have to get this. Everything that supplies the earth, Kush, uh, Ethiopia, the four countries this, these rivers flowed to, they flowed from Adam, not to him. You've got to get into this place where you learn to, and I know they, 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 they make it weird, they make Chinese arts weird, judo, uh, uh, meditation, Indian Eastern arts, they make them weird. But what they are is they've taken our principle of meditation, what he told Joshua, meditate. In other words, that word meditate means see God for who he is, see yourself for who you are, and I am God. And now, boom, release. See, that's, that looked like a, a martial art, didn't it? Now I'm releasing who I am into the world. I'm not expecting anything from the world. I'm releasing glory. Now he's like, okay, Martin, that's weird. So now when you go to Ezekiel 47, and God brought me out. The water was to my ankles. Then he brought me out further. The water was to my knees. It was to my hips. Then eventually there were rivers to swim in. What did he say? The river started where? At the temple. Out of the temple went the waters to supply the city. The answer to your city is the church. Yeah. It flows from you, not to you. And if you'll start, this is how it works. If you'll start releasing you into the world without shame, without fear, without apprehension, if you release yourself to the world, like I put a dollar in the stock market last night with my daughter, put a dollar in there. She's, she's packing to move from her apartment in Kansas City, but she's investing right now. So she put a dollar. We put dollars into the stock market <clears throat> last night. Praise the name of Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so while we slept, we put a dollar in there last night and we made 50 bucks. Well, principal, principal, principal. When I release myself. It goes into the world and brings me back the bounty from the earth. But if I stand here waiting for someone to give me a job, open a door, or whatever, I get nothing because that's not how the kingdom works. It works when I understand Adam and now a river starts with me and goes to the world. Once the church understands that, we will bring people in here. We'll bring them in here and we'll do what the Bible says. We will equip them to go into the world and release themselves. 
Don't be mad. I teach our people, don't be mad if you got a boss and they're driving you into the ground. Well, I can't stand my boss. Mm -mm, don't do that because you're the next place for you is boss. And if you build a hate relationship with your boss and now you're the boss, guess what people are going to have for you? Hey, you're now being equipped. We have a whole curriculum that we have written to help people find out what is your gift from God. It's natural. He put it in you. How do I hone that gift? What mountain there's you have, you have the mountains, the spheres of influence, the worlds, these worlds God created, government, church, family, education, media, entertainment. I mean, all those systems he created. Which system should you be operating in? What system are you called to? Shavana was a pastor. But this wasn't her pulpit. Her pulpit was health administration. She cared about every citizen in my state. She didn't care who you were, man, woman. She didn't care about the color of your skin, if you had money or not. She fought for every citizen in our state. She fought for their justice. She wrote policies for their justice for everyone. She was a pastor, but she knew she didn't belong in church. She belonged in health. We helped her find that. And everyone in your church, Pastor, belongs somewhere. They're called to do something. And we have got to, we've got to minimize, say minimize. We've got to minimize the elevation to this pulpit. Because we got a bunch of people who are pastoring who are not called to pastor in this pulpit. They're called to pastor somewhere else. We have prophets. My daughter invested last night with the prophet. You know what a prophet is? We know from the Bible what a prophet is. But we don't know what the gift is. The gift of prophet means simply this. I know what happened. I know what's happening. And I know it's going to repeat itself. That's a prophet. Every prophet you read about in the Bible. God brought you out of Egypt. <laughs> And now you are disobeying his laws. You will eventually be in slavery again. I mean, that's what the prophets did. <laughs> Read it. That's all they did. One day, write the vision. It will tarry, but it will come. It's, it's that I know what happened. I know where we're at. And I know what's getting ready to happen. That's who you invest with. If they don't have a prophetic gift, don't give them no money. You're giving money to investing with evangelists. Evangelists blow a lot of money. It's how they think. <laughs> you want a profit handling your investments because they know the cycles. So if I'm going to go into business with a guy sitting on the back row, I need to know his gifts, his talents, and I need to know his capacity. How far up can he go? Does he have the willingness to be uncomfortable and change? And that's the church's job. To equip the saints. Why don't, why don't we read that? This is Ephesians 4 and 10. It's crazy what's in here. Somebody's got to write the book. I got a list of 20 I got to write, so I'm not sure I'll be able to get it done. <laughs> Go to Ephesians 4. And let's see. Where should we start? 
let's let's just start at one. What does it say in one? Ephesians four and one. Was it saying that also? Okay, that's okay. So, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling, okay, which you have been called. I guess I can look back there. With all the lowliness and da 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 da, bear it with one another. Okay, keep going. Next one. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your of your calling. Everyone has a calling. Keep going. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Mm-hmm. One God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Oh, so good. So good. He is in all of you. He is in all of you. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Each one of us has a gift and a measure of that gift. I am called to stand in this pulpit, but I am not at the measure and grace of T.D. Jakes. All gifted. Don't be mad at people who have a better or lower or higher gift. Celebrate them. (laughs) Right. I can't get a plane and I want one if I hate Jesse Duplantis. If I hate Jesse Duplantis, I cannot have an airplane in my home. Next verse. (laughs) And I want a plane. Therefore, he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave. He gave them. You didn't earn them. You didn't beg for them. You didn't pray for them. You didn't ask for them. He gave them to you according to what he wanted you to fulfill. Next verse. Now this, as he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? So good. Next. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill, not fulfill, fill all things. How's he going to do it? Next verse. And he, how's he going to fill all things? Everything. Everything, cutting the grass, painting houses, paving the streets, whatever you see, how's he going to fill it? How is he going to fill everything that makes the world happen? So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to build a big Instagram, to have a lot of people in their church, to have to write books, to have a big following. No. He said, I put those five teams that put that fab five together to do one thing for the equipping of the saints. That's the reason for the church. Equipping of the saints for what? The work. Of their ministry. You go to Barbados, you go to you go to other countries, you'll see the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Tourism. Only in America we call this ministry. Wow. Yep. Ministry is not a religious term. It's your work. Yes. 
All of us are ministers. If you teach in the classroom, you're a minister. If you wash cars, you're a minister. If you have a lawnmower in business, you are a minister. If you write books, you are a minister. This pulpit, don't aspire to it. Aspire to your own ministry. For the equipping of the body of Christ, we equip them. Equipping doesn't mean that I give you a gift. Equipping means I show you how to use your gift. The church has to show people how to use their gift. You'll be packed once people in this city find out that you want to help them find God and help them be what they're called to be. You tell people that you you exist to help them find God and find themselves in him. They'll come find you. (laughs) They will come find you. Okay. Here are all these things and we don't have time to go through this. Go to the next verse. I want you to hear the levels. Read it out loud. Till we. So, so hold up your finger. One. Till we all come in the unit of faith and. That's two. To a. That's three. To the. That's four. The fullness of Christ. What's next? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. That's five. Here's what's happening. In the cunning and craftiness of deceitful plotting. What's next? But speak the truth in love. Six. May number seven grow up into all things into him who is These are all levels and they keep coming. Now you're at eight from whom the whole body joined fitly together. What every joint supplies. Everybody has a place of supply. Everyone. Everybody has an anointing. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has a gift. And the church creates ambassadors by raising up people in their gifting. And then, like Dr. G said, then we say to them at the end service, now go into the world. You're an accountant. Go into the accounting world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Well, I'm a therapist. Go into the therapy world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Show people how to build their families. I'm a financial agent. Go into the finance business and show people how integrity can enter their finances. That's the job of the church. If we do that, and if every church is doing that, winning your city is a byproduct. It won't even be something you have to pray for. So we have to recognize and equip gifted people. We have to strategize with others. We've got to organize ourselves in such a way that we can actually centralize our thinking and our thought. Then we can actualize what we've been dreaming. And we'll see the city, the new Jerusalem, which by the way, Revelation 21 is not about heaven. Revelation 21 is about a new earth coming down out of heaven and all things at the end will be restored.
That's where we're at. So how do you do it? You do it with your people. And no one that walks into any church should be treated less than anybody else because you don't know. That guy sitting in the back that came in here from the street and hasn't had a shower could be the next city manager. That girl who's struggling with her sexuality, walking in here kind of weird, and you say, well, I think, I'm not sure, I think she's a girl, but she's dressed like a man. No, just let her stay in the culture. Don't kick her out. Let her stay. Teach her the word. Tell your people how to love her. You'll find out that maybe she went through some abuse. Something happened to her that she's not able to tell anybody yet. When a young girl comes in here off the street and she's got on a real short dress and her boobs are hanging out, in my church growing up, they would cover her with the sheet so that she would not be tempting everybody. Let her sit there. Tell your men to get saved in your church. <laughs> let her sit there and teach you the word. Put some women around her and don't let their first words be, honey, you need to put on some more clothes. You don't need to do that. Just tell her who she is. Because that girl will go to your community and say, come see a man <laughs> that knew everything about me and still loved me. The person who's driving the church in that rust bucket, that car, and he has a dream of being a millionaire. Don't talk him out of it. Encourage him. It may not happen overnight, but eventually it'll happen to him because he believes it. You believe in the God in him. And he'll finance all your dreams because he'll finally have the money to do it. When did the church become afraid of sin? When did the church become afraid of people who are different from us? Well, the LBGT community, we don't want them up in our church. Why? why, why, why? Are, are you contagious or are they? <laughs> We're contagious. Pastor, did you see the couple in the back? They've been coming for weeks. Uh, they're, they're, they're lesbian and they're married and they're coming to our church. What should we do? I said, big dummy, we got five lesbian families in our church. They come in and sit separately, but they're here. And they're changing. They feel love. A couple of them have gotten divorced and said, this is not right. The church is contagious and full of solutions. Don't you dare give up, Curtis. You keep seeing that dream and until God manifests it, you don't leave your seed. You water it. You protect it. You weed it. You fertilize it. That thing is going to grow. <laughs> Thank you for having us, sir. <laughs> <laughs>